want to be a radical for Jesus? Well, this is Pastor David, host of Restoring Your Voice, and that's what this show is geared toward. Geared toward everyday Christians to equip you for the good works of Jesus and live out your faith radically. And I hope you enjoy this episode of Restoring, Restoring Your Voice. But to heaven, it's a one-way, one truth, one Alrighty, welcome to this episode of Restoring Your Voice with me, your host, Pastor David. You may be asking, where have I been? Well, if you didn't know... Uh, I just, I had lower back surgery uh, last Wednesday, so I'm still recovering, but praise God, um, he's given me the grace to be able to do this, so I know you can't see it on your screen, but I'm sitting here in my back brace, but uh, appreciate your prayers uh, as I continue to recover um, from the from the lower back surgery, um, so there's that, so and as you can see on the screen, there's the tagline now for the show is restore, prepare, equip, right? What does that mean? That means restore uh, your voice, restore the church to uh, where she ought to be, prepare the saints for the good works of Christ, prepare the, the, the saints for the return of Christ, and equip the saints for the good works of Christ. Get a little mixed up in my head. But anyways, none, nevertheless, uh, so real quickly before we get started, of course, don't forget, check out the website, uh, davidcmcguire.org, a wonderful uh, website put together for you. Um, I'm continuing uh, to make improvements upon it, um, so go check it out. Hey, even if you would like to donate, there you go. One easy stop right there on the website, davidcmcguire.org forward slash donate. Uh, of course, the link is in the description. And, of course, don't forget to hit that subscribe button to the YouTube channel, all right? If you're missing out, great content organized, one place for you. Uh, all episodes, interviews, sermons, all of that stuff. So anyways, so let's get into the hope for America. And, you know, this is something that God has been burdening me with. I've been praying for revival, praying about revival for a number of days now. Um, and it's I'm quite burdened by it, um, especially by what I see going on uh, in the church that shouldn't be going on. Hope's placed wrongly. Um, we need revival, folks. We're, we're putting our hopes in the wrong places. We, we're putting our hopes. I mean, look, look at people getting so wound up over the midterm elections, right? I mean, from all sides, you know, but that's not our hope. Re regardless, I mean, I'm, I'm going to, let me say this. I 100,000% guarantee that regardless of how these midterms, election, midterm elections pan out right we know they're still counting votes in places but regardless of how it turns out right re regardless of what happens whether it's done honestly whether it's done dishonestly whatever the case may be whatever opinion you may hold on it it's irrelevant uh, the fact of the matter is we need revival and we need it today that is the only hope so so what do i mean by revival in other words do, do we hold tent meetings do, do we hold uh services for a week do what do we do and then we label them revival services is that how we do it no i'm talking about something deeper i'm talking about something much deeper than the surface level things that we see now i'm not saying that there's not good churches out there praying for a revival interceding holding services for revival and i'm not cutting those down but there are times more times than not that we've held revival services, quote-unquote, and it's been nothing but surface-level things. And we need to get me way, way 
deeper than that. We, we need true revival, right? We, we need to stop doing business the way we've, we've been doing it because we're just dragging the church in America and America down. But we, what, what I'm talking about is, is not just a, a simple awakening. What I'm talking about, folks, is a rude awakening, right? I mean, I've been praying fervently. I don't know what you've been praying for, but I've been praying fervently, God, do whatever it takes to wake us up. Do whatever it takes to wake your bride up, to, to make us spotless and blameless before you. Do whatever it takes, Lord. That's what we need. We, we, it's it, stop, stop playing nice. It's time to take the gloves off, right? It's time to stop asking God to move in the way we want him to move because that's what we've been doing for so long, right? Church has become a script, right? It's it's no different than a, a TV show or a movie. It's got a script to it, right? Right. Somebody comes up, um, maybe says a prayer. The worship team comes up, right? Three songs. The pastor comes up, preaches maybe thirty minute message at most. Maybe say, hey, if anybody needs Jesus, repeat this prayer, and and then boom, move on to the next service. We need to go beyond that, folks. We need to let God in fully it's going to get messy right and that's exactly what we need we need messy once again we need it we need a rude awakening we have been asleep at the wheel for too long right we're asleep at the wheel and, and the proverbial car is is headed right off the cliff that that's where we're currently at that's the very real deal that i'm trying to get across not because i hate anybody believe me I groan, I shed tears in my prayer time, seeking God for revival. But it's going to take everything, every every ounce. It's going to take us shifting our priority. And notice I didn't say priorities, right? It's, it's time to make God the priority in our lives once again. All right, that, that's going to make, that's going to mean that we're going to have to make some tough decisions. That means we're going to have to take a, a serious introspective look into our relationships that we have with other people, right? We're going to have to, uh, thank you, Richard. God bless you too, brother. We're going to have to take a serious look. It, it, are these relationships biblical or are these relationships toxic? Are, are they sucking life out of me? Are they getting in the way of my communion with God? Right, and without getting all legalistic about it, you know that that would mean, okay, are, are the people that I truly have fellowship with not people I witness to and show Jesus to and be a you know a good neighbor like God commands me to? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about these are people that we hang out. These are people that that we value their input into our life. But are those people Christians? Is the input that they put into our life are they are they? Um, According to scripture, are they antithesis to the scriptures? Things like that, you know. Look, Jesus made it abundantly clear that he didn't come to bring peace, but he came to bring the sword. And he talked about specifically in the context of relationships, right? That, that means family members will discard us, right? Father and mother, brother and sister, any any combination they're in, it's not easy. It's not nice, but it is what Jesus told us 
what's to happen if we decide to truly follow him. We need to stop paying lip service to that, by the way. We need to stop saying, well, I follow Jesus. We need to stop being those people that Jesus himself warned against in Matthew chapter 7. Right? But they said, but Lord, Lord. Well, what did that mean? And they said, well, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we heal in your name? Didn't we do all this in your name? And, and Jesus' response to them is a clear indication that they were only paying him lip service. In other words, they were saying, Lord, Lord, with their mouth. But in their hearts, they weren't serving him. He wasn't really their Lord. They weren't bending the knee. And that way, we see that today, unfortunately. And I, I hate to put it this way, but I have to. Across the majority of the American church, I say the majority. Now, there is a true remnant. Praise God for that. But unfortunately, by and large, those truly committed to Christ are few and far between. And it is our duty as Christians to push against this. It is our duty as Christians to take a stand, even if those around us are not taking a stand. Even, even if we get rejected, you know, even no, you insert something in there that might be applicable to your personal life. But it, it, it's time we took a stand on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Stop, stop, let's stop standing on, on sinking sand, right? I mean, I love, I love that, that hymn, all other ground is sinking sand. But, but that's what we've been doing, right? We've been putting our, our hopes in the sinking sand of church programs, right? Of, of hiring motivational speakers, of hiring consultants into the churches to say, hey, if you want the numbers, go and do this. I mean, it's so bad. I mean, I, I, you know, this is the reality, folks. So I came across, I think somebody had shared a video by this comedian, John Christ, and this was back in 2018. And, and he was doing a comedic sketch about people, hey, if you don't want to go to church, we have meta church. If you don't know what that means, it's meta is a fancy term for virtual reality. So in other words, you 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 wear a headset, right? You got some VR goggles on and, and do it that way. And it was a joke. It was completely joking about. And I kid you not, this is this has actually become our reality today. And so if you think I'm I'm maybe inflating things or maybe I'm trying to get clickbait by being doom and gloom no literally the church up the road right went there for early voting right because it's the closest voting place to our um to our hop to, to where we live went in there and i kid you not church unlimited that's the name had has now available meta church sitting there is the vr goggles and headset how antithesis to the Bible is that? And we wonder why America is in the trouble we're in today. When, when thinking we can replace a physical gathering of the saints as the Bible commands us with some virtual reality and think it's the same thing, we are in serious trouble and we need a rude awakening. We, we need to, to press into God together. God. Do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes in my life. If, if there's places in my life that, that need fixing, if there's compromise, because 
at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. We've compromised. We have compromised the Bible. We have compromised scripture. And we have many different reasons. Maybe we want to bring the numbers in. And, and, and that's not that numbers are bad, but when we do it specifically with the intention to, to bring people in rather than disciple people, we're in trouble. And that is where we're at. We're more concerned with church growth than we are with the growth of a Christian. There's a big difference, right? We, we can have numbers in our church, but what about, but that's just growing in numbers. But what about growing in maturity as the Bible commands, right? The Bible uses such terminology as no longer being on milk, but being able to handle meat, for instance. Well, that's where we need to get back to. Well, that's what the Bible commands us. Jesus didn't command us, grow your church, grow your numbers. He said, go and make disciples. That's not going to equal numbers. I'll tell you what, what that will look like, right? This is what wanting discipleship is going to look like. It's going to be the exact opposite of number growth. People are going to hear they need to, they need to be disciple. They need to be trained up. They need to be part of a local body. And they're gonna and they're gonna go the other way, right? They're gonna be um and in their hearts they were hurt or, or something like that. Well, same thing that Jesus would teach. Right? He would teach on kingdom living to the crowds, and then there they, there were people in that crowds that would leave because what Jesus said pricked them and they didn't like it and they left. Guess what? It, it's time to let those people go. We don't want them to go, we want people to be discipled. But that's not, that's not it. I mean, another thing is this whole I ideology nowadays that, that we don't have to be part of the local church body anymore. Let me tell you what, friends. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. Every Christian is commanded to be a part of a local congregation somewhere, what, whatever form that takes, whether it's in... Um, you know, your mainstream Christian church building, right? Whether it's a house church, whatever it form it takes. But the fact of the matter remains nonetheless that we are commanded to gather. And how are we supposed to fight against darkness? How are we supposed to be influential on the culture instead of letting the culture be influential on us when we refuse to obey the most basic tenets the most basic commandments of Christianity. I'm not talking anything major here, anything that you might want to go to some sort of college for, some sort of seminary. I'm talking about the basic things. I'm, I'm telling you, 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 some of you out there need a rude awakening. You, you need to, the Lord to come in and, and just slap you upside the head. Put, I don't know, splash some cold water in your face. Shake the very foundation from underneath you. So, so, so that you have nothing left but to reach out to God. And that, I, this is serious. This is what it's going to take if we want to see true change once again. Now, so so I've been talking about change, right? So, so in other words, that means do I think it's too late? No, I don't think. And I, that should provide you hope. And let me just say for, for those of you who think we're beyond hope, let me, let me tell you what. 
here in America alone, during times like the first great awakening and the second great awakening, that sentiment was the same. America is beyond all hope. So long. See, God is just going to wipe us out. Basically, in a nutshell, was the sentimentality of that day. But God. But there were people willing to take a stand for God. They were willing to, to, to be warriors of prayer. That they were willing to, to go where no one else was willing to go. You know, the circuit riders and such. Willing to, they didn't, they didn't care about being famous. They didn't care about being hated. They were just willing to do what it takes to see a move of God. And I'm, and I'm urging you today, that's the same mentality that we should have. It's not too late for America. Is America under God's divine judgment right now? Absolutely. Is the American church under the divine judgment of God right now? Absolutely. But I didn't say destruction. Notice, I didn't mention destruction. I didn't mention that. I said we are under judgment. All right, Judgment and destruction are not always the same thing. In other words, the children of Israel, right? Uh, Judah and Israel, two separate kingdoms, right? By the time, right? They were judged. Now, the cities were destroyed, but the people were not destroyed. So I, want, I just want to get that into your heads. To, to what, what I mean by we're under judgment, but, but not destruction. It's, it's different. But, but we can intervene as saints. Right? We can make headway. Right? Let, me, let me tell you what. It's not a majority game. Let me tell you. You plus God is a majority. I want to I lift up your hopes today. You plus God is a majority. So in other words... Regardless of what anybody else around you thinks or believes or says, regardless of the numbers, you plus God are the majority, right? We, we need to stop with the whole doom and gloom and fact. I'm telling you, stop watching that nonsense. I know it's all over YouTube. I get it. Stop watching it. Stop, stop sitting on the sidelines. Stop with the woe is me. All I see, oh, Jesus, come, Jesus, come. Yes, I know we, we, we want Jesus to come. But, but we're supposed to be about our father's business until that happens. Not not crying, oh, it's too late. Look at this wickedness. And, and, and sucking our thumb and having a, a pity party. No, we need to get involved. We need to be doing something. It's one thing to complain about the way things are going. That's easy. That, that takes no effort. That takes no sacrifice. It's another thing to get out there and in some way, shape, or form influence for, for, for better. Influence for the change. The kingdom change that, that every believer knows needs to take place. But it's going to take sacrifice, right? It's, it's going to take discarding the love of men, right? It's going to take shoring up our places of compromise. And let me just pause and say, we, we all have areas of compromise in our life. Every single one of us, all right? Me included. And these are things I bring to God in prayer. Well, we need, we need to stop it because I'm telling you where compromise leads 
Compromise leads to giving the devil a foothold. And I've been seeing this play out. All right, I sit back, I observe things. I don't say a whole lot all the time, but I'm on social media. You know, I'm on Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and right here on YouTube and all that. So I just sit back and watch, right? And, I, and, I'm, and I'm seeing this unfortunate demonic growth of the acceptance of sin in the churches itself, right? Now, I mean, I, I've just seen recently a well-known pastor, at least well-known on Twitter, I don't know him outside of Twitter, who is now LGBTQ plus affirming. He, he is now affirming. So, so and, and his church, by the way, it is not an island all by itself. This, this is happening widespread across the nation. Now, maybe some of you may, may not know this, and this may be a wake-up call to you. Well, praise God. Well, some of you may know about this, but not what's motivating you to somehow get involved, right? To actually find out the beliefs of your church, to find out the belief system of your pastor. Well, well praise God for that. It may, it may be, this. I pray this is somehow, some way, in helping to motivate you to get involved. But this is widespread, so, so what's happening now is, is that this affirmation of sin uh, in America at large, right, it is now more so part of the church. And so what's going on is all that these people are doing, right, these so-called pastors, I don't consider them real pastors, but these so-called pastors all they're doing is comforting people on the way to hell. That's all they're doing. That, that's not what the church is called to do. The church is not called to make people feel good. You know, while we're not called to purposely offend either, and that should never be our motivation is to purposely offend, but we are going to be offensive to people. Jesus is called a rock of offense. That, that's, that's what he's called. And if we decide we're going to identify with Jesus, automatically that makes us offensive to the world. We don't have to utter a word. All that people know is they are, that person is a Christian and automatically we're offensive, automatically. Straight off, straight off the bat. You, you need to get that. You, you need to get that in you right now. All right, living for Christ is no easy, easy means. But we must if we want to see this nation turned around. And I praise God for, for the for the for the men and women of God out there on the front lines. Like my friend right now, Brad Brandon, right? Who who's probably won't get a chance to watch this. Hopefully he does. Who's who's in northern Nigeria. He he went back to northern Nigeria. A place rife with with all sorts of things. Where the Fulani Muslims are in charge, where where bandits are the norm and checkpoints are the norm and you know, your life is in danger every second over there. And yet he's he's there. And yet we here in America, we can't seem to do that. Right? We, we don't dare step, step outside our front door and talk with our neighbors about Christ. Find out if they're Christians or not. Show Christ to them. And you say, well, I thought you, sounds like you're getting off on a tangent. No, this is part of revival. Preaching the gospel. Getting outside of our comfort zone, doing, being willing to do whatever it takes, being willing to use, to be used by God 
No, no matter what that looks like in our life. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to, to partner together? Because I want to have you on board to do this. We need revival. You, you, you know, just look at the results. Do, do you think the midterm elections are actually going to do anything? What, what about the past elections? Right? You, you name it. How have they influenced America? For the better or for the worse? Because as far as I can see, America's only been on the decline for decades now, regardless of whoever was in charge of the country. So don't tell me elections are the way. Go out and vote, absolutely. But but that is that is a minor way to change the culture. Right? What we need to do is, is see hearts changed. We need to see an invasion of Jesus once again into our culture. Right? We're not going to change the culture by becoming like the culture. We're not going to change the culture by affirming the culture. Right? We're, we're not going to change that culture by implementing measures of change as the culture does. There's only one way to do that. And if you just open up your Bible, you'll see that, right? The spreading of the gospel message. Think about it. In the early church, right? Rome, a, a, a culture of decadence, right? A, a culture so decadent, so sinful, they would gorge themselves on food and throw up just so they could gorge themselves again, right? Orgies abounded. Right? Babies left out in the streets. And worse, this was Rome. Yet, yet there were men of God willing to do what it take, what to do what it took. And guess what? The culture was changed. Why? Because people were willing to fight the good fight of faith. And we have those heroes listed in our Bibles. Amen. Our he heroes like Paul. Silas, Barnabas, and others who were willing to go in, you know, being, being willing to be scourged, whipped, imprisoned, and finally martyred all for the sake of Christ and his kingdom to be brought into the culture around them. Then how can we do any less? If Christ entered into our world and, 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 Gave his very all to see kingdom, the kingdom of God brought to hand. Then how can we do any less as servants of Jesus if Jesus is truly our model, right? And, and he should be our model. So friends, let, let's take this very seriously, right? This is a serious hour we're in. Right, this is in time. This is in time for playing around. And let me tell you, I take my calling. I take the God's calling. Let me say it that way. God's calling upon my life. I take it very seriously. Right, my calling, my calling. God's calling in my life as a prophet and a watchman. I take that very seriously. So I must put out the warning. I must say, turn around and repent. We have to change course. Because if I don't do that, 
guess what? The blood guilt is on me. Just like it says in Ezekiel 33. Right? So I take it very seriously. Right? I don't I don't I don't say what I say in a prideful and, and boastful way. But I'm just saying because this is the calling of God and it comes with a, a hefty responsibility. So I pray that this gate woke you up, motivated you, encouraged you. Even I pray can I pray brought conviction upon some people out there, right? That they would come to God, repent, and then they would be encouraged and be on fire for the Lord. Let's be firebrands today, people. That's what we need. So I just want to keep it short and sweet and, and to the point. Um, so hopefully I'll be it won't be too much longer. I'll be with you guys again, but like I said right now. Um, still recovering from lower back surgery, but I just felt an unction of the Lord to speak on this today. So I pray that it blessed you. Um, so we'll just, with that, we'll end this episode of Restoring Your Voice. Heaven, it's a one.